Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. I want to take this time like I do each and every week just to say thank you for joining me here. It's always a pleasure to be able to do this with you on this beautiful Sundays. Um, Before we get started, let's do like we always do and bow our heads and thank our Heavenly Father for all the great and wonderful gifts that He's given us. Heavenly Father, we think we come to hear to you like we do each week, and like I hope that everyone else is learning to do as I do, and thank you on a regular basis. Because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't have air, lungs, water, anything. It's all because you give it to us. You give us great and wonderful friends who we get to spend time with. You give us loved ones that we get to spend time with. Some of us are married and we get a wonderful spouse and we thank you for that. We thank you for the children, our offspring. We thank you for the animals and everything. Everything is because of you. And we know, Father, you're, you're healing us every day on a daily basis and on, on levels that we just can't see or comprehend. And we thank you. We thank you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So... If you're new here, I want to first say welcome. Welcome to the family. I hope you decide to continue and watch us every day. Um, well, I should say every Sunday. And join us over on the podcast. Because, you know, we have our podcast exclusives over there. Where we delve into subjects that we don't cover here. Because here on, here on the videos, what we tend to do, right, is we tend to cover a book of the Bible. And we do it book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And yes... Yes, sometimes we do it word by word, because words do change, don't they? You know, over time, one word might mean one thing, that now it means something completely different. So that's why here on the on, on our Sunday sermons, we break that down. We break it down by the word. Now, this week we are up to chapter 24. So if this is your first time watching and you would like to get caught up, I invite you now to pause this video or podcast where you are and go back and watch or listen to all the ones before it so you can get caught up here in chapter 24. Now this week, like I said, we're on chapter 24 and we will be reading chapter 24. And I continuously mention that because this is a very long chapter, okay? And just like we do sometimes... We're going to divide it into multiple parts. This one, more most likely two. So we'll just see where we stop, okay? Now, as a reminder, last week we were reading about the death of Sarah. And we were reading as Abraham did what? You know, he purchased that cave for her burial. So we're going to go ahead, go right on in and dive in and read right where we started off. And remember, like I've told you time and again, these the Bible was not originally divided into these chapters. They were originally read long form. So let's go ahead and read Genesis chapter 24, verses 1 to 67, the entire chapter. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country, and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. 
And the servant said unto him, Peradventure, the woman will not be willing to follow me unto the land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou, thou comest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware, thou that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that I swear unto thee, saying, Unto thy seed will I give the, this land. He shall send his angels before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from, thou, from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master, and swear to him concerning that, that matter. And the servant took ten camels, and the camels of his master, and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hands. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughter of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass, that the damsel that whom I shall see, let down the pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she and she shall drink, and I will give thy cam give thy camels drink also. But the same be she that thou hast pointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast shown kindness unto my master. And it came to pass before he had done spe before he had done speaking. That behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder, and the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin. Neither had any man known her, and she went down to the well, and filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her, and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have drunk. I'm, I'm sorry. Until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well and drew water and drew for all of his camels. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace, and wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel's weight and two bracelets for her, for her hands, I'm sorry, of ten shekels weight of gold, and said, Whose daughter, uh, daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee. Is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge? 
And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. She said, Moreover unto him, We have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not let, I'm sorry, not left destitute my master of his mercy and truth. I, being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And we'll be getting to him later. And Laban ran out unto the man of the well. And it came to pass, when he saw the earring and bracelets upon his sister's hands, and when he heard the words of Rebekah his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man. And behold, he stood by the camels of the well. And he said, Come in. Thou blessed of the Lord, wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels, and water to the wash his feet. And the men's feet were w- that were with him. And there, w- there was set meat before him to eat. And he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, Speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maidservants and camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my father's house, and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son. And I said unto my master, Peradventure the woman will not follow me. And he said unto me, The Lord, before whom I walk, will send his angels with thee, and prosper the way. And thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred, and of my father's house. Then shalt thou be clear... From this, my oath, when thou comest to my kindred, and if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. And I came this day into the well, and said, O Lord of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of my pitcher to drink. And she said to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. And before I had done speaking, in mine heart, behold, Rebekah came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down into the well and drew water. And I said unto her, Let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste, and let down her pitcher from her shoulder, and said, Drink. And I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank, and she made the camels drink also. And I asked her, and said, Whose daughter art thou? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bare unto him. And I put the earring upon her face, and the bracelet upon her hands. And I bowed down my head, and worshipped the Lord, and blessed the Lord, God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way 
to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. And now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go. Let her be the master's son's wife. And the Lord hath spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard the words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and gold and jewels and raiment, and gave them to Rebekah, he gave also to her brother and to her mother's precious things. And they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away unto my master. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at the least ten. After that she shall go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not. Seeing the Lord hath prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire about at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, What thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebekah their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servants and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those who hate them. And Rebekah arose and her damsel, and they rode upon the camels, and followed the man, and the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well, Lahai Roy, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off of her camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field meet us? And the servant said, This, it is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Now, yes, this is a very long chapter. <laughs> okay, so let's do like we always do. We're going to go back and reread verse 1, okay, and then we're going to break that down. Way over here. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Okay, so see where it says, and Abraham was old and well stricken in age. Now, at this time, we know that Abraham was 140 years old. How do we know this? Well, we're told that when Isaac was born, Abraham was 100. And we're told that Isaac was 40 years old, right, when he marries Rebekah, which this is the time of, right? So Abraham would have been 140 years old. The verse then tells us, And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. 
meaning all different kinds of blessings. That would be, you know, the temporal and the spiritual. The temporal, of course, being the one um, that's concentrated on here because of what we read about in this verse, right? God had blessed him, right? Like Ibn Ezra says, with long life, with riches, with honor, with children, all the things that men could pro a man could possibly ever want. Now notice, as we move forward, that we see it say, put thy hand under my thigh, swear. Okay? You'll see this when we get to verse 9. I want you to, when we get to this, I want you to keep that in mind. That this is a very solemn pledge, and it, it, it's mentioning the Lord's name. It's formalized. It's acceptable. It indicates just how serious, you know, what he's doing is in the eyes of Abraham. At his age, Abraham, he wanted to see his line. He wanted to see his line continue. So, so he made his servant go to Mesopotamia, right, and bring a wife back for Isaac. So let's look at verse 2 now. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand <clears throat> under my thigh. It tells us that this servant was what? His eldest servant, right? This would most likely, now, we're not, I can't be 100% on this, but this is more than likely, this right here is Eliezer. He's the one that we read about back in chapter 15. We know that he worshipped God, and we know that he, he he was very, very devoted to Abraham. We see that this servant was dedicated to finishing tasks for him. And, and if this was Eliezer, then we see his loyalty, his loyalty in serving the heir, the one that, um, that had displaced him, right? Now, at the age of 85, he had apparently risen to be steward. Or if you like it, some people call it the chief of staff, which is a position of authority. If you remember now, Abraham, if you remember, Abraham had, had not had a son, right? If he had not had a son, then it would have went on to then it would have went on to Eliezer. He would have received all the wealth. But of course, Isaac was born, and the inheritance then went to him, right? J just think about how loyal he had to have been. He served Abraham's family, even though Isaac was born, causing him to lose that inheritance that I'm sure he wanted. He even went on to, to serve Isaac. As we move forward, I, I want you to keep in mind how, how during the biblical times, like this, marriage arrangements were made by the parents. They're the ones that chose the partner for their spouse, or for, for their, their child, right? It, and it had to be someone from their own tribe. And because of this, it was not uncommon for <laughs> spouses to be cousins. In this case here, though, Abraham was trying to prevent his son from marrying a pagan. Okay? Which, let's face it, most likely would have happened. And it would have led to people, you know, it would have led the people away from God. The one true God. So, let's move on to verse 3 now. 
And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou wilt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of Canaanites among whom I dwell. You see, he didn't want Isaac to marry of, what did he say? He says, the daughters of the Canaanites. The command to marry only within God's redeemed people was not given until later, right? When Moses was the one who gave it. But right here in this story, the story of Isaac, we see Abraham desiring to, 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 for his, serve his people to remain separate from these pagans. Right? I want you to take a look at some verses with me. Let's read real quick. Let me grab my digital Bible. We're going to look at some verses. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. Neither shalt thou make marriages within them. Thy daughters thou shalt not give unto his sons, nor his daughters shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and destroy thee suddenly. Okay? Then look at First Kings 11.4. For it came to pass, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Now then we have Ezra, which if you want to go look at that, that's a whole chapter. Ezra chapter 9. Okay, we even see Paul say the same thing in his verse. Only the Lord, which can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 39. But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment. And I think also that I have the Spirit of God. I'm one verse off, sorry. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. That is talking about the same thing here. You see, Abraham, he knew. He knew that he was getting old. He knew that his son Isaac was at that age where he should be seeking a wife. And this servant here, this servant that Abraham trusted was with everything, had been a man of integrity. He feared. He loved the Lord. If not, Abraham would not have had to servant swear by God. You see, Abraham knew. He knew that the people that he lived around were, were heathens. And he knew that he did not want his son Isaac unequally yoked, as the Bible says, with a woman from that world. Canaan, at this point in time, were not living for God. I like how we see in this verse that, that Abraham recognizes God as being the God of the earth and heaven while having his servant 
you know, take an oath. All right, we're going to look at verse 4 now. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. Look where he tells the servant to go. Unto my country. He says, my country. So that means not Canaan, right? Yes, yes, Canaan was promised to Abraham. But it wasn't, it wasn't his yet. So he means where? Mesopotamia, right? Like we see in verse 10. And this would include Chaldees, okay? Take a look with me at Acts chapter 7, verse 2. And he said, Men, brethren, fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charon. Okay? Chaldea would be the country where Abraham was born. Remember? This is where he came from. He goes on. And to my kindred. This would be the family, the family of Nahor who is Abraham's brother. Nahor dwelt at Haran in Mesopotamia at this time. The city of Nahor in verse 10. Take a look over at Genesis chapter 29 verse 4. I know it takes a little bit more time, but I don't feel like bending over to get that my, uh, my, fo my phone. <laughs> 29 verse 4 and Jacob said unto them my brethren whence be ye and they said of Haran are we right we had just read where Abraham heard of the increase of Nahor's family remember that was just a um, that was just a few years before this Right in, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 20, he goes on to say, and take a wife to my son Isaac. Like I said, like I've repeated over and over and over again, he did not want his son to marry of the uh, ungodly people. Right? He knew that problems come from marrying people who were ungodly. And we see this in various places throughout the Bible. I do want to touch on the fact this family was not chosen because of Abraham, okay? But because the family had sprang from Shem. Do you remember him? We saw that he was blessed by God, and God was his Lord. You see, being closely related is not an obligation, it's not, but it's also not a hindrance to marriage. At this time, there was no laws related to marriage. They did not, that did not come effect again until Moses, okay? Even today, people would be better off if they were to seek someone in their own faith when they get married. We should not consider someone who is worldly as our mate. You know, Abraham knew that his family were believers. That's why he wanted to remain with his family, with believers, okay? Verse 5 now. 
And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto them, Well, up oh, I'm in the wrong one. Sorry, 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 sorry. Let's reread that. Verse 5. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be, take, be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou comest? Now this verse starts off with, And the servant said unto him. So, before he would even think of taking the oath, he wanted to know how far he would have to go, okay? He wanted to know what he would be ob obligated to do. He says, peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me into this land. He's like, suppose that this is the case. What if the woman refuses to come with me to the land of Canaan and, and, and wanted me to bring Isaac there? He asks, must I need bring thy son again into the land from whence thou comest? You know, should I agree to her terms? Should he take Isaac to where? To Mesopotamia. This is a smart question, isn't it? And I doubt that he was ignorant of the fact that God called Abraham out of that land. And that he was not, he was not to return there, right? He probably knew about the promise of the land of Canaan. Now, it is interesting. It's very interesting that he says again about taking Isaac there. Because remember, as far as we know, Isaac had never been there. Now, you could say that, you know, that this is from the reference to him, you know, being from Abraham's loins, you know, from when he left there. Because Levi is said to, to be in, in his loins when he, when he uh, paid tithes to Melchizedek. We see that in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 9. Let me flip there real quick. Thought I could get there a lot faster than this, sorry. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 9. And as I may say so, Levi also, who receiveth tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. Okay? For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Right? Look at... So, so what we can gather here from this verse is that, hey... This servant was not sure what he would be able to find, you know. Would he be able to find the right wife for Isaac or not? And even if he did find her, he wasn't confident that, you know, she would believe him or follow him off of, you know, to some strange land. These are very reasonable questions, aren't they? Especially if you're not talk you're not taking into account the standing that Abraham had with God. Now, as we move forward, we read where it says, that thou bring not my son thither again, meaning the expected scenario does not happen, okay? Then the dictates uh, of the oath are lifted. 
right? And then the option of Isaac going was just rejected because it would nullify the promise of God and the calling of the promised land. Let's look at verse 6. It says, And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou thou bring not my son thither again. And Abraham said unto him, Notice, Abraham doesn't blame him for his lying. Of questions, I mean. He also does not charge him with impertinence. He plainly sees the propriety of it. And he clears up the matter. He, he gives him these instructions. Beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. Remember, he was told that when he leaves the Ur of the Chaldees, that he was not to go back. He was to come to the land of Canaan and live there. And this was from, for both Abraham and his posterity. Not to mention the fact that it would be dangerous for Isaac to go into a family who, yes, there was knowledge of the one true God. There was also a lot of superstitions there. A lot of idolatry as well. Remember, we're told Abraham's dad was an idolater. We can tell by the hints in the sequel of this, right? You know where I'm going with that. We're going to get to it eventually. He could not be corrupted. He could not denigrate, right, from the true religion. All right. Verse 7. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me that they that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. He shall send his angels before thee. I love that line. Why? Because it shows us how much faith Abraham had. That this 450 mile expedition into Mesopotamia was under divine oversight. God had already spoken with Abraham. He was sure that this girl, the one that God had chosen for Isaac, would gladly come there. He felt that that she was such a lady that the Lord would, would have already made her ready for the trip. Okay, Abraham was strong. He was confident in the Lord. There was no way that this is going to fail. Verse 8. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the, Abraham tells him, right? He says, and if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, Instead of, and I, think about what it says. Well, I should say, but what it should say. But, if this is not Abraham doubting, okay, he does not doubt that she will be. I think that he's satisfied, he's persuaded already, right, that God had made her willing to leave her father's house and made her willing to come and settle right there with his son. Here in the land that God had given to him. What he says here and afterwards was just a way of setting his servant's mind at ease, okay? Because he showed that he doubted, right? Or 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 maybe, maybe he didn't doubt. Maybe he just wanted to know, you know, 
what he should do if this happens. He says, then thou shalt be clear of this oath. The oath that he was trying to get him to make. What he is saying is that when he had done all that he could to get her and her friends to come with him to marry Isaac, that if he could not get her to come, then he was free of the oath. Because he had done all that he could, right? He goes on to say, only bring not my son thither again. Do not agree with her or her parents, right? Do not tell them that Isaac will come. Do not try to persuade him to go either. Again, I want to remind you, there's no question in Abraham's mind. We should all be that way. If God tells us, hey, you go and do this, guess what? The results are going to be good. So, so Abraham tells his servant, right? He says, if, you know, for some unknown reason that this just does not happen, I will not hold you to the oath. All right, verse 9. Here we go. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swear to him concerning that matter. Pay close attention to what I'm about to tell you. I'm about to tell you something that is a bit... unusual but I spent a lot of time researching this uh, so well let's just say it under my thigh under my thigh is actually a euphemism it's talking about the the procreative organ it was meant as one of two things it either symbolizes an unborn child would come and avenge him if he violated that oath. Or, or, just bear with me, it could symbolize the oath is the name of God, who is the one that gave circumcision as a sign of the covenant. Look with me. Genesis chapter 47 verse 29. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. It's an old, old, ancient, near eastern culture, okay? This, this type of touch, this intimate touch, was meant as a way of affirming an oath. So what we read here is the servant is realizing that if something out of his own control happened, he would not be held responsible. And it, only after knowing that does he swear to Abraham. Okay? I am done talking about this one. Let's move on to verse 10. <laughs> And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master, and departed for all the departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. 
And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed. Now, why, why ten camels? These were meant to carry presents to the bride. Okay? It was a way of enhancing the dignity of the mission that he went out to do. They, they would also be used, right, to bring the bride and her companions back with him. The verse says, for all the goods of his master were in his hands. This also gives evidence of what I said earlier, that he is the steward of the house, that he, he ruled over all, all that Abraham had. You know, some versions of this put this uh, in parentheses because it gives a reason as to why he took so much. The verse then goes on to say, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia. This could also be Aram Naharim, which is in Syria of the rivers. And that is between, okay, the two rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates. The Greeks called this actually Mesopotamia sometimes. In fact, in fact, the three Targums, they actually call it Aram of Syria. Like I said, it's beside the Euphrates. Anyway, the verse goes on to say, unto the city of Nahor. Nahor is who? That's Abraham's brother, right? The city was actually called Haran. This is where he moved to. You know, he went there with either Abraham or his father when he left Ur the Chaldees. Or maybe, maybe he followed them there. And him and his family just decided, hey, we'll stay here. Now think about what I'm saying. He had all, I'm going to repeat that, all of Abraham's goods. This shows you that Abraham really, really trusted this man. Back then, during the times of Abraham, a father would trust an old faithful servant more than he would his own son. At least until the son came of age, right? This tells us just how obedient he was, right? He went where Abraham sent him so that he could bring back the wife for Isaac. <clears throat> now, look at how many camels there were. I already repeated this again and again and again. I'm going to say it again, yet again and again and again. Ten. He took ten of them. I think I told you already. Ten is a number that represents the world. That's right. You uh, people who are really into numerology, you already knew that. But I'm saying it. <laughs> Verse 11. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by the well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he made his camels to kneel down. You see this a lot with camels in movies and stuff, you know, where they kneel down. This use, they, they kneel down there to rest or even to be unloaded or loaded, you know. I think here they're, they're resting. The verse says, without the city, the city of Nahor, Haran. This is near to where the servant came to. We also see that it was, you know, by a well of water, right? So, so that he could, you know, get, give the water, give some water to the camels. And also to drink for himself, but, you know, and also all those people that were with him. We then see it was 
at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And this was an old custom in, in the eastern countries, especially in Arabia. The women did that back then. So, so that would give, so what they were doing is they were going to get water for the whole family. And after a hard day of, you know, weaving and grinding and, you know, making bread, during the evening they would take a pitcher, you know, or even a goat skin sometimes, and they would tie their, you know, their children on their backs. They would walk, you know, two or even three miles just to go fetch water. We then move forward where we read, you know, what has affectionately been called the steward's prayer. This manifests not only his trust in God, you know, to lead him, but also it shows how, how selfless he was when he served Abraham. It's then followed by, by us seeing his patience after that prayer, his worship when the prayer is answered, and his acknowledgement of divine guidance. Also, it portrays him having faith. Verse 12. And he, and he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Kindness to my master Abraham. The word for kindness that is used here is the Hebrew word chesed. You saw it back in Genesis chapter 20 verse 13. He asked God to be faithful to Abraham. Remember, God had promised Abraham a seed. We know that he gave him one. And here, here we see Abraham wanting to find a bride for Isaac. The promised seed. One that is within God's standards of separation. So he asked that God be faithful to Abraham to provide for him. And later, later, we read in verses 14, 27, and 49, where he gives testimony that God showed that same word. Just said, covenant faithfulness. Verse 13. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. <coughs> Sorry. He says, Behold, I stand here by the well of water. He was saying this while wishing, while hoping, and while expecting that something was about to happen to show him, you know, what to happen. This would show him what to do next, right? Something that would lead him to that wife, that wife for Isaac. The verse says, and the daughters of the men of the city came out to draw water. Like I said, this was what usually happened and i think it it also was why he chose there you know to stop there not just to refresh himself no 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 he was hoping to meet this bride right there or maybe that that he would hear someone talk about her or maybe he would meet someone that that would show him the way or maybe god would you know by some means Bring him to where he needed to be. Let's go on to verse 14 now. 
And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink. And I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. I will give thy camels drink also. Actually, the laws of hospitality required that you give water to a thirsty stranger. But it says something that he asked for this, because you see, the law doesn't say anything about animals. No, it says nothing about animals. A woman who would do that was actually unusually kind. She served beyond what was expected. Rebecca's servant attitude revealed, as we read on, right, not only her attitude, but also her beauty, her purity. Here the servant is entering into a strange territory, just like some of us do today. He had no idea how to seek out, you know, a wife for Isaac. So he asked God for help. This is a good plan, a very good plan. Because... Like we discussed, this is where the women came. They had to come get water. But you see, camels, camels, they drink a lot of water. So any girl who would offer water for them, that's a hard worker there. She would have, she would have great concern, not only for the person, but also for the animals. This woman would have the right spirit to be Isaac's wife. Did you notice how he spoke of God? He spoke of him as what? Abraham's God. He was intelligent. He was able to figure out this little plan and lay it there before God. Verse 15 now. And it came to pass before he had done speaking that behold, Rebekah came out who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. Look at the words there. And it came to pass before he had done speaking. This prayer was a mental one. So it means when he was done speaking in his heart. We see this later in verse 45. Anyway, so when he was thinking these last words at that very moment, as the Targum of Jonathan puts it, his prayers were heard and answered. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 65, verse Isaiah 65, 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The verse says that behold, Rebekah came out. Came out? From where? Out of Haran, out of the city of Nahor, who was born of Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, right? Abraham's brother. Making her a daughter of Bethuel, and Bethuel was the eighth and last son of Milcah, 
who was the daughter of Haran and the wife of Nahor. Both were brothers of Abraham. We saw Rebekah's genealogy back in chapter 22. We read here that she came with her pitcher upon her shoulder. She was there to fetch water from the well for her family. This is a sign of diligence, humility. Because even though she was the daughter of a wealthy person, she did not mind doing it. Alright, let's keep going. Verse 16. <coughs> and the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the damsel was very fair to look upon. So we see here that she was very beautiful, right? The verse then says, A virgin, neither had any man known her. So she did not just appear to be a virgin. She really was one. She was pure. She was incorrupt. Then it says, And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. She went down to the well. So this tells us that it was low. It, it had a descent to it. And then ascent when you leave, right? That makes it sound like she didn't like she did her very she did this very quickly. She did not hang around, she didn't look for a stranger to talk to or anything. She was not, you know, not only was she beautiful on the outside, she was a virgin. She was pure in every way. She was the second cousin of Isaac. And here she was at the very well where Abraham's servant was waiting on, right? Verse 17 now. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. <clears throat> it says that he ran to meet her. Did he, stop, did, did he stop her on her way to the well? No. Did he bother her while she was lowering her pitcher before, or raising it back up? No. He waited. He waited until she was done. He waited until her pitcher was full and he ran to her. You know, because you see, the sign that he was waiting for could not be fulfilled until she was coming back. The verse says, And said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. He was asking only for a taste. That's what the Targum of uh, uh, Onkelos and Jonathan both say. Or suffer me to swallow a little of it, right? Realize that he was not asking for enough to quench his thirst. He probably already drank enough of that. And even if he didn't, he could have easily gotten it himself. I mean, he was right there. Verse 18. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. Look at her response. She said, it says, and she said, drink my Lord. She shows that she would allow him to drink however much of it he wanted. Notice also that she honors him with a title. Possibly because she saw the man and she saw all those camels that he had with him and all those other things. So she probably thought that he was somewhat of a considerable position. And then it says, and she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand. She lowered it from her shoulder 
Maybe she let it you know, rest on her arm or in her hands. I don't know. But she gave him a drink. Okay. Verse 19. We're going to speed run through a few of these. But not a lot of them. I'm, I'm sorry. I know it's a lot. this is a long one. But we're going to get through it, aren't we? <laughs> Verse 19. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking so after he had his drink as much as he wanted we read that she said i will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking sarah said that she would go back down to that well fill her pitcher as many times as it took until she saw that the camels had drank enough isn't this the sign that he asked for the sign that this was the person that Abraham would want for Isaac's wife? Like I said, the Lord quickly granted the prayer, showing us that it was not rash. It was not ill-thinking. It was agreeable with the will of God. Look at it. She was beautiful. She was courteous. She had a tender heart. She sure wasn't lazy either, was she? His search, over. But now, now he needed to go and convince her family. Let's look at verse 20. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well and drew water and drew for all his camels. Not one camel. No, no, not one. Two? No, 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 not two. It says all his camels. Think about this. One camel can drink 25 gallons of water. That was surprising when I figured that out, but yes. He had 10 of them. That is one great task. And she filled them all up. Verse 21 now. And the men wandered at her hand and the man wandering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey pot prosperous or not. It says, and the man wondering at her. <clears throat> he was surprised. She was courteous to him. A stranger. She was humble to take on such a service. And she did it with readiness. She extended a lot of effort. And look how quickly she did it. She was so agreeable to the sign that he himself had asked for. And I'm sure, I'm sure he was surprised at the power of God to bring her there that quickly. She arrived right away, right there when he asked for it. And she answered every expectation that he had. Look at what he did. It says he held his peace to wit. To wit means to know, to think, to consider further. Whether or if the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not, or not, should be, or if not, what we see here is that, that he's reflecting. He's saying to himself that surely the Lord, you know, had made his journey prosperous. Or if not, how was it that this happened like it did? What else did he need? What should he do in the future? 
does this sign, or I should say, does this sound like you? I know it does me. I mean, come on. She did everything that he had prayed she would do. And to him, it, was, it just felt too easy. So he started to doubt it. God will give us signs, okay? And yet, we're too blind to see it. We will circle a parking lot looking for a spot. And we will say, Oh, Lord, if you'll just give me a place to park. And then we see it. And we say, Oh, sorry to bother you, Lord. I found one. Admit it. You've done it. We've all done it. <laughs> Verse 22. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel's weight and two bracelets for her hands and ten shekels weight of gold. It says, And it come to pass as the camels had done drinking. Now the camels were done drinking. Meaning they had enough. Their thirst was satisfied. The verse goes on to say, Then the man took a golden earring. He took it off of either, I, I don't know, maybe out of his pocket Maybe it was in a box. Maybe it was in one of the bags on the camels. Maybe it was even in a package that he had with him. I don't know. The verse tells us of half a shekel weight. This weight was about eight, 80 barley corns for a white shekel. That was what I found. That weighed 160 ounces. Okay? The Targum of Jonathan tells us that it's the weight of a drachma, which was about half a half of a didrachm, or a common shekel. Anyway, the verse says, "And two bracelets for her hands and ten of ten shekels." This is one handsome gift. It was suitable for a virgin. As far as shekels. We talked about those last week, so if you want to hear about that, I, I'm just going to say, please go watch that video or listen to that episode of of ours and just kind of listen, because I don't want to talk about those like here, because it could take a while. And this is a long one, so let's move on to verse 23. And said, Whose daughter, whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? Notice it says, and said. So he had given her the earring and the bracelet. Then he asked her the question. Now, weirdly, we read in verse 47 that the question was before he gave her the earring and the bracelet. Um, anyway, the verse then says, whose daughter art thou? So... He asked this because he wanted to be doubly sure that she was the one that Abraham wanted. Because they would be related, okay? The verse tells us, Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? Now, if she were wealthy, then she would be fit to be a connection to, her, to his master. That's how he sees it. Besides, come on. If she was who he thought she was, he wanted to lodge there. And he would also have the prime opportunity to manage the affairs that he came there for. So let's go to verse 24 now. 
And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. Simple. Doesn't need me to explain it a lot. But you know what? I am me. So I got to try. <laughs> she says, I am the daughter of. This is a formal introduction, right? She gives him an abbreviated genealogy. The one that you know provides with uh, the specific identification. She was indeed a Isaac's cousin. Alright, so there, I did a little bit. Verse 25. <laughs> she said, Moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. The opening there, she said moreover unto him. This is her way of answering the second question, which was, you know, they had they had it, right? We have both straw and provender enough. This is this is actually for the, the camels. Straw for their litter, right? And provender for their food. Things like hay and barley and so on and so forth. And room to lodge in. Meaning for him and his men. She tells him this, she, and she invites him to come in and take up, you know, take up quarters in her father's house. She does this without even going to check. She knows the generosity of her family. She knows the, liability, the, the liberality, the hospitality, right? She knows how her father is. Now, this here, this, this surely convinced the servant, okay? God had sent him right to the family that he needed to find. He found Isaac's wife. Now, back to these gifts. They're valuable. Pure gold. And since, since they were made of gold, we know what his intentions were. He was not just looking for a place to rest. He wanted to meet her parents and talk to them. <coughs> Verse 26. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. Bowed down his head. He bowed his head. That way he showed that he had a deep sense of divine goodness. He humbly acknowledges the favor that he received in being directed by God. The verse says, And worshipped the Lord. He gave thanks to God. God had prospered him. So, so he was hoping and believing that things were, were going to continue to be well. Verse 27. And he said, Blessed be the Lord of my master Abraham, who hath not, let, not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and truth. Amen. Meaning he's me he's saying that, that God had removed had not, I'm sorry, God had not removed his mercy, his grace, his goodness for his people, right? He had not allowed his faithfulness to to, to fail at all. You see, God's mercy, God's grace, when he's keeping a promise, they always continue. His truth in performing his, those, those promises, sooner or later, 
will appear. Both happen here in this case. You see, Abraham, he believed in God's goodness. He believed in God's grace. He believed that God would send an angel to direct, to, to direct his servant in the right area, making him prosperous. And right here in this story, we see his truth. We see his, his faithfulness. He makes good on that promise. Or prophecy, if you want, that Abraham's faith had built, right? The verse then says what? I being in the way. Being in the way means that he was by the well. He was in the right spot. He was where, as Jarky took it, so, so he was directed this way. He followed the steps, the steps that God gave him to that well. It was good for, uh, it, or I should say, it is good for us, you and me, to follow the path that God sets out for us, especially when it comes to our religious life. That is where the blessings of God can be expected to be found. Right? He goes on. The Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Remember now, Nahor, Rebekah's grandfather, was Abraham's brother. Her father was Bethuel. He could, he could also be, be called that as well. Right? Because we see Lot called the same thing. Anyway, the servant, he, he had not even arrived in the city yet. Or I should say at the house. But he did meet one of the family. He did get an invitation. He was on his way there. I think what we're seeing here is that the servant had a sudden realization that God was working mightily. To make sure that things happened according to his plan. Whereas before he called God the God of Abraham. Now he's bowing. He's worshiping God himself. He knew that this was not an accident. He knew that he was led to that well to meet Rebekah. Right? Verse 28. And the damsel ran and told them of her told them of her mother's house these things. So she ran, it says, and the damsel ran. So after she invites him to come over, to come to the house and stay there, she ran back to her home and prepares things. And to let them know what was happening. It says, and told them of her of her mother's house these things. Notice how she she didn't go to her father. This was most likely because her mother was, you know, had her own tent or an apartment, if you will, because women had these things at that time. And another reason is because the daughter was more free to talk to her mother. When we move on, we see a mention of her brother Laban. And I think that the reason we see him being the one that welcomes them is because of the gifts that he saw. And I, I'm guessing, just guessing here, that because of how, reason I'm guessing that is because of how we see him later in, in chapter 29, we see his character there, how, how, how stingy he was, right? Let's go on to verse 29 now.
And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man unto the well. And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. Was he her only brother? Mm -hmm. was, was he her elder brother? Mm -hmm. He could have been the head of the household. You know, her father could have been old, just so old, right? So he had her brother running things. We read that he ran out of the house, out of the city of Haran, unto the man, unto the well. Now, this would have taken place after she got home and she told everybody about him. You know, about how she met him and what happened there, just like any young girl would, right? She ran home and she told everybody everything. This right here makes it seem like Laban was the closest thing to a man in that house. He rushed out there to meet this man. His name, Laban, actually means white. So this tells us that he was from a very fair-skinned tribe. Verse 30 now. And it came to pass when he saw the earring and bracelets upon his sister's hands, and when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. And it came to pass when he saw the earrings and bracelets upon his sister's hands. You see? You see? He sees these things and he thinks that this man is rich and generous. He was most likely thinking that he would receive a gift himself once he extended an invitation personally. Like I said, he's covetous. We know this from his whole story. The verse goes on to say, And when he heard the words of Rebekah his sister, saying, Thus spoke the man unto me, he was asking her who her father was. And if there was room in his house for him and his men to lodge there. Remember? Then we see that he came unto the man. He, he got there quickly. He ran there. And behold, he stood by the camels at the well. This tells us that he never followed Rebecca. He waited there. He waited at that well. Like, you know, he was expecting someone to, to come out and give him an invitation. It's in this verse here that we read that Rebecca told her brother about the gifts. Told her what the man, or should I say, told him what the man said to her. And he went out there to check it out. To, to you know, make sure that his sister was telling the truth. And he finds the servant there waiting, waiting and knowing that the mission was almost over. Verse 31. And the Lord, and he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. <clears throat> and he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Again, these are both temporal and spiritual blessings. He, he's, he's concluding that he was blessed. He was blessed with temporal blessings because of the presence that the servant had you know, given to his sister, as well as the men that were attending him. That's not to mention all the camels that were with him. And then, and then by his worshiping of God and thankfulness to him that Rebecca had seen and probably told her family, right? Then it says, Wherefore standest thou without? He's saying this you know, either as a rebuke 
because, you know, he didn't follow his sister. Or maybe he's asking, hey, what's the delay? The verse says, for I have prepared the house, meaning he cleaned up. He put things in order for him. Then it says, and room for the camels. He had the servants clean the stables, making sure that it was fit for the camels. This tells us that Rebecca had been home for a little while by this time. And, and this is not as fast as we read it here, okay? I want, I want that to be clear. Even with it all being done in haste. So, in review, Laban came out. He invited the man in. He's calling him blessed. There's no doubt he saw all the riches that were on those camels. Making him believe that this man was a man of means. Right? Verse 32. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels, and water to wash his feet, and the men's feet that were with him. It says, And the man came into the house. So after being asked to come back with Laban, he went. Right? Then it says, And he ungirded his camels, meaning that he took off the bridles, which, which would have you know, made it hard for them to eat. The Targum of Jonathan, as well as Jarky agree, he loosed the girds. He, he took off their burdens so that they could rest. Now, this could be either the servants doing it for him, or he himself. Right? Because the first thing that any traveler would do back then, was they, they'd come into an inn, was that they would uh, take care of their camels. But with what we read here, or I should say what we read next... I believe that it was Laban. It says, And gave straw and provender to the camels. Like I said earlier, straw was like litter for the camels. Provender is their food. Laban would have done this. Or he would have had someone else do it. In fact, the Targum of Jonathan says, this, says that much. There's no doubt he's the one that inti that they, that's intended here. He is the only one who could have given it to them. Then we see, and water to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him. You've heard me mention this time and time and time and time and time again, but this is done back then to strangers and travelers. It was just a way of you know, cooling their feet because it's a hot place to live. Verse 33. And there was set meat before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, speak on. This is a committed person here. Look at what he said. I am not going to eat until. The first thing that he wants to do is tell them who his master is. Why he's there. But not without talking about his master's blessings from God and his trip. No. Without immediately bringing his task to an end. This man is committed. He's faithful. He's selfless. Do we treat our bosses that way? <laughs> Verse 34. Look at how he continues here. Just read with me. Verse 34. And he said, I am Abraham's servant. He said, I am Abraham's servant. He makes it clear. He is not Abraham. He is Abraham's servant. 
I'm sure this set Laban at ease. The servant felt this was enough to introduce himself. Abraham is related to them. He would have been well known to them by name, right? Verse 35. And the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he's become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maidservants and camels and asses. Woo! And the Lord hath blessed my master greatly. This is mostly talking about temporal blessings. But notice, he specifies that they're from God. They're ascribed to him. The Father, the Fountain, the Author, the Giver of Mercy. The verse says, and he has become great, great in the world, honored among men, right? The verse says, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maidservants and camels and asses. Yes, I hear you, I hear you. Some of these he obtained through his, his diligence. But they're still blessings of God, okay? Yes, some of them were gifts. Gifts from you know, princes and Pharaoh, as well as Abimelech. But the Lord put it in their hearts to be so liberal with Abraham, didn't he? Even here, they're called gifts. And I'll be right back. Ooh, sorry about that. My mouth was getting kind of dry. Got a lot to talk about here. <laughs> Verse 36. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. It starts off right there with what? And Sarah, my master's wife. You know, they had to have known her. You know, even if it was just by their name. I mean, she was his sister. She was the sister of Milka when she was old, right? Then Milka was Nahor's wife, the mother of Bethuel, right? 
Then it says, bear a son to my master when she was old. She was 90, wasn't she? She was old. And he mentions this because this would have been extraordinary. This was an instance of God's power, God's favor. He knew that Abraham was very proud of Isaac. Look what the servant says then. He says, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. This makes it clear that this was you know, by his will, right? The family is showing great hospitality to him. I hate to even think how dry that desert was <laughs> on his way there. How, how dusty. You know, to have their feet washed after the hours and hours in the desert. It must have felt amazing. Look at him here. He, he's so excited that he does not even want to eat until he tells them, you know, who he was and why he's there. Here he is bringing gospel, you know, the good news. Abraham had left home at God's command. And these people probably never heard anything from him since then. The family was probably very happy to know that he was alive. And you know how blessed he was. Let's move on. Verse 37 now. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. And my master made me swear. Here we see him telling about the oath. The oath that his master made him take. And the job that he gave him to do. This is very similar to what we read back in verse 3, isn't it? Verse 38. But thou shalt go unto my father's house, unto my kindred, and take a wife unto my son. Now, he was told, he's told them everything. Remember, the main thing that Abraham was worried about was that Isaac was not to marry a heathen woman. Verse, th verse 39. And I said unto my master, Peradventure the woman will not follow me. Self-explanatory. Wait, what? You think I was going to add on more here? Come on. Let's move on. Verse 40. And he said unto me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee, and proper, prosper thy way, and thou shalt take a wife for my son and my kindred and of my father's house. That's the same thing, same thing right? Let's just... Let's just let's just move on. Let's just, let's just move on. Move on. Verse forty-one. Then shalt thou be clear from this, my oath, when thou comest to my kindred, and if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. I know what you're thinking. Why aren't you talking more about these? He's literally just retelling everything that we read already. He's talking about from the beginning, right? He, he, we, we've already discussed all this stuff. It's just him repeating it. He, he's just telling them the same thing that we already know. Let's go to verse 42. And I came this day unto the well and said, O Lord of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way which I go. 
and I came this day into the well. It had it had to have been several days before he arrived there. It was not the same day, right? I saw where some Jewish writers say that he he was delivered there <laughs> by God in some way on the exact same day that he left. We do not read that here, do we? And I'm pretty sure that if that was what happened, we would read that. The verse says, and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham. So he came here to the well, and he says that he prayed. He prayed what we read here. If now thou do prosper the way which I go. He means that he prayed that if it pleased God, that he succeed in what he came there for that he would give him a sign. That Then he relates the sign, the sign that he wanted. Read on with me. Verse 43. Behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of the pitcher to drink. We read all that in verse 14. And... I kind of broke all that down back then. So, if you want to hear that again, <laughs> but it's verse 43, rewind it back and listen to it again. So, we're going to move on to verse 44 now. And she say to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out of my master's out for my master's son again more of the same he's bringing he's he we broke this down in verse 14 right so i'm sorry i'm not going to go into more detail on exactly what we've already went into detail on let's uh go to verse 45 and before i have done speaking in mine heart behold rebecca came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder and she went down into the well and drew water, and I said unto her, Let me drink, I pray thee. Okay. He's saying that before he was done saying the prayer, in his heart, he, notice he says that. That means that tells us that this was a silent prayer. I do that a lot. Um, it was something that raised in the church of God we were taught to do, a silent prayer, where you just think on it. You, 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 you bring it up in your heart, and you, you think about it. So before he, while he was doing that, before he was done, Rebecca came forward and she had the picture on her shoulder. It's just more detail, more detail that to be added to verse 15. The verse goes on to say, and she went down unto the well and drew water. Then it says, and I said unto her, let me drink, I pray thee. So we're going to move on to verse 46 now. And she made haste, and let down her pitcher from her shoulder, and said, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank, and she made the camels drink also. Again, we've already discussed all this earlier. This is just more detail. It may have a little bit more detail to it. But it's the same thing that we read earlier. He's just retelling it. Okay? So let's look at verse 47 now. And I asked her, and said, Whose daughter art thou? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bare unto him. 
and I put the earring upon her face and the bracelet upon her hands. Again, this is just more detail. More detail on what we read back in verses 22, 23, and 24. So, let's move on to verse 48. And I bowed down my head and, wa and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. Again, this is just more detail, this time on verse 26. Okay, so let's move on to verse 49. <clears throat> and now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. And now, if you deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. Here is the servant talking to the whole family, especially to Laban and Bethuel. He tells them that if they will do his master's kindness to grant him the favor that he asked them for, that they would give him a damsel to marry Isaac, and that if they would do it to please tell him, tell him now. And he says, and if not, tell me. So if they choose not to, if they're not hardy, tell him now. Then he says, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. He will look at the other daughters of some of the other sons of Nahor. Remember, he had seven, as well as four concubines. So, he gave the whole story to the family. And now he, here, here he is, waiting, waiting for an answer. As we move on, I want you to notice the servant's conviction, his focus, just how intense he was. He, he's ruling out everything but acknowledgement of God's leading and anything less than full compliance from Rebecca's father and brother. Alright, let's look at verse 50 now. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Laban and Bethuel answered, right? These words are in different order than the original, which reads, Then answered Laban and Bethuel. The word answered did not know, did, did you notice? It's actually a singular word. So, we can come to a conclusion here. The conclusion that Laban gave the answer for Bethuel. He was the one that consented. Bethuel was, more, most likely he was just old and he left the family's affairs to his son. The verse says, and said the thing proceedeth from the Lord. He's speaking of Rebekah. Rebekah going to Isaac. The Targum of Jonathan adds that this matter was according to his will and pleasure. He seems to have appointed it in decree and to be into be you know being bringing it about by his providence. These men even though they were in part idol worshipers they had a good notion of the one true God also of his government of the world 
as well as his ordering of things according to his will. Then it says, and this is what I like, okay? I love this part. Listen closely. We cannot speak unto the good or bad. He's saying that he cannot deny the request. It was so plain to see that they had not, you know, anything to object to. If God says it, it's so. Then it is to be. I had a guy once ask me about, you know, getting into the ministry, and he said, I feel that God wants me to do this, but blah, 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 blah. And then he asked me what I thought. And and do you notice how I don't even remember what he said? I had told him, I said, bro, you lost me when you told me God wants me to do it. Anyway, moving on. We're going to stop after this verse. We're going to go, we're going to go ahead and read verse 51 break that down and then we're going to stop for today i went a little bit further than i really planned on going today but we're going to stop on this verse so verse 51 says behold rebecca is before thee take her and go and let her be thy master's son let her be thy master's son's wife as the lord hath spoken i know this one was long and like I said, we're going to stop here. It says, Behold, Rebekah is before thee. What does this tell you? It tells us right that she was right there. She, was, she had been listening to all this. But not just that. He was delivering her to him. Or that his request was granted. It says, Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife. They're not saying to leave now. Because they later get, they let her get them, you know, to stay for a little while. They're just saying that they agree. You know, he can take her to marry Isaac. Then we see, as the Lord hath spoken, this shows us that they acknowledge the sign that was given to him, that they they were from God, right? We see here that his family agreed. Because they believed that it was the will of God as well. Alright, like I said, I, I, I know this one was long and I apologize. I mean, we've gone over an hour and a half here. Um, we'll finish this chapter up next week. But I just wanted to, you know, once again, just say thank you all for joining me here. You know, like I said, it, it means a lot for me for you guys to sit here and watch me and I... I just, I, you know, or listen on the podcast. Either way, you know, it, it means a lot for when you guys join me here. So thank you all for joining me here. I pray the Lord continues to bless you and keep you. If you guys need me for anything, you know we have that prayer line. The, the details for that are in the description. Uh, if you want to leave a comment for the podcast, you can call in there too. If you want to want to announce something on the podcast or if you have uh an event coming up you want me to interview you for that whatever i'll do it um so thank you all for joining me here i pray the lord continues to bless you and keep you and i'll see you all here next week for an all new sermons in the park thank you god bless you and i love each and every one of you oh thank you